In times of fear and doubt, chaos and question, we're the one true source for strength, safety, and certainty. Common men with uncommon passions to protect and serve, defend and preserve our family, our life, and our freedom. Founded on the key principle that we must become present, active, and engaged fathers, committed to lead, learn, and love ourselves and our family unconditionally, willing and able to take action against the resistance with honor and integrity by creating the daily discipline necessary to build our body, strengthen our minds, and expand our spirit. Committed and dedicated men who forbid the past to define their current reality. I am that man. My name is Luke Kayam. I am a father of the future. Welcome to the Fathers of the Future podcast. If this is your first time here, welcome. We are sitting with my man Rich Abril on Veterans Day 2021, uh, an active duty Marine who I am proud to call a friend and a brother. Welcome to the Fathers of the Future podcast. If you've been here before, well then you know what to do. Let's roll. Rich, welcome to the show, my brother. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, happy Veterans Day. Good to good to see you. Um, let's start with the girls. Mm-hmm. Y- y- you have a teenager. You have a freshman in high school, just like me, except she's a female. And then you have two more girls. So you have three girls and, and your wife. Yes, sir. And uh, you are um, quite the masculine energy, you know, primal power. How, how do you defend yourself? Uh, or how do you at least... Um, how do you separate the sensitivity and the emotional intelligence needed to direct traffic in your house from the, the, the primal power that is needed to not only do your job, but to live as a man? It's challenging. I'll tell you that I'm outnumbered, as you mentioned, you know, three girls, all at different phases of life. You know, I got, I got a, I got a freshman in high school who, who knows everything. Uh, I have a, I have one on the, on, you know, preteen, you know, who's getting there, starting to figure things out. And then I got a little one who's just a boss, you know, seven years old, Olivia, man, she's just, she's bold. So, and then Stella, Stella is, uh, she stands in her power. Um, and, you know, a lot of those times where I'm still experiencing growth, I feel like I'm, um, I've made so much progress with, with my growth and who I am and defining my identity that, you know, I hit a lot of road bumps along the way and I can create quite the storm or the waves when it comes to a, a lot of situations in the house because it's very emotion it's a very emotional home to include myself you know our, our emotions are just a little bit different mine mine seem like it, it it's it's very surface at times I'm angry or not you know and sometimes that's how I approach things to be very aggressive um, or I guess violent energy is how my wife defined it one time but um it creates this chaos, and being able to to find the balance is uh, it can be it can be it's challenging at times. Um, trying to help negate our children, to process through things with our children, um, the pushback, uh, the the way my kids think for themselves is is uh, is different from what I've been used to, and it, it's it's tough. I see a lot of me and them. And then I also see a lot of Stella in them as well. And 
it's hard because you have, you know, one side, one parent where Stella tries to help process through a lot of things. And then you have me who's just like, let's, let's keep pressing forward type mentality. Like, it's okay. Let's acknowledge that you're allowed to be upset, but we can't be stuck there. Let's go, you know? And then, but I'm more, I'm a little bit more assertive or aggressive when it comes to that, rather than trying to take the time and the patience to help them sit in it for a little bit. I'm, I'm working on that balance a little bit more. But I also want them to understand that sometimes the situation is going to dictate on how you should respond to certain things. Sometimes you can't sit in it. Sometimes you need to keep pushing forward, depending on it. So, how how, how much of that comes from your your military background? Did you have some of those habits prior? Oh yeah, um, father's a marine, um, so I think a lot of those those habits of or the mentality of suck it up and move on, without him really saying it, was kind of embedded in me. Uh, deep, deeply rooted without even me realizing it. And I think that when the, when I joined in, in the Marine Corps, it, it reinf- reinforced that, it validated that mentality. How old were you when you knew you were going? Um, I was a little bit old. I was about, tw- I always had the thought about joining when I turned 18 because I didn't really have a lot of direction. Um, and by the time I was 22, I knew like, hey, this is, this is it. Like 9-11 hit. And it set heavier on with me, and I carried that. I carried that with me for a couple of years. When the war broke out in '03, I knew it was like, I gotta go. This is it. So I enlisted in 2003 when the war broke out. Um, I didn't head out to boot camp until '04, um, and I was 23 at the time when I went to boot camp. So, but I just knew that I had to do it. It was carrying that weight uh, with me for too long. So, what were you doing at the time? Uh, living out on the reservation, uh, Gila River, uh, working at a casino out there just probably the most toxic environment I could be in and it just I was just kind of floating along as Stella mentioned I was kind of a a a leaf or or a crumb of a leaf just kind of floating around no direction no values nothing no just nothing you know and this something was just weighing me down like pulling me and I was never in tune to that that type of energy but it was just something that it pushed me to go and I and I ended up leaving so which triggered some other stuff that ripple effect of how my life ended up going so yeah and and tell us about your your military career and even to today what what you're doing yeah so 2004 february 17th that's the day i stood on the yellow footprints man you'll never forget that day because that's the day where where you you think you stand you stand in your power and you get some some smoky bears some guys and wearing a uniform who just look like bulldogs they they come in there and they just they rip all that from you. They rip your identity from you. They break you down to to make you feel like, hey, we gotta shed all this baggage you're carrying because you need to redefine who you are mm. and, and sit in your power and understand the values. And mind you, this is all in hindsight. So um at the time I I didn't know what any of that meant. You know, I didn't know what, what the purpose of, of leadership traits, um principles, uh the core values, like all that stuff was, was like posters on the wall to me. You see them and you just kind of like, ah, cool. You know, it's, it's, it's motivational, you know, and at the time I didn't understand how transformational those things really were. If you really sit in those and understand them. Um, but yeah, 12 weeks, actually it's 13 weeks. Um, the first week is where they just kind of pull you all in a big room. There's 130 of you and they just like, they kind of weed you out. Um, but that, that Black Friday is what they call it, is where you meet your drill instructors for the next 12 weeks, your mommy and daddy. Um, and then that's where you, you don't ever refer to yourself as I or me. It's all this recruit, you know. And, 
and you move with a sense of urgency. You speak up for everything, and you always have to look out on your left and your right. Otherwise, it's going to be extremely difficult for you to get through those 12 weeks. So it's your choice on how, how you want your experience to be in boot camp. Um, was the hardest uh, 12 weeks of your life? It was tough, yeah. It was, it was, it was hard. It was hard. Yeah, it was hard because you're, you're deprived of all the luxuries that, that you think are important to you. So uh, adjusting to that, to that lifestyle of, of very, just very simple and everything you own is in a footlocker. Um, and you, you realize, you know, how, I mean, you don't really need a lot of things. To, in order to just thrive in life, so um, it was tough. It was tough. We you know we have the crucible in boot camp, you know, similar to what you host and stuff, and and the concept is is the same. You know, it's 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 challenging you physically, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, everything. It is, and again, in hindsight, you know, the crucible there. It's a fifty-four hour evolution, you know, and you're deprived of like sleep, food, and a lot of other things, and you have tasks that you have to accomplish within that time frame and a lot of times it can make or break you and at the end of the evolution is when you you earn your eagle globe and anchor you become a marine you know and it's at that point you start that transition from being a recruit to becoming a marine um, because you've you've faced those those demons you face the challenges you know and it's it's extremely emotional when you when you accomplish the the crucible um and it's something you never forget Ever. It's it's embedded in you. And, and as you go through your career, you know, in 04, after you go through boot camp, you go to uh, your school of infantry, uh, your combat training. Uh, you go there, which is at Camp Pendleton. And then from there, you go to your MOS school, which is where you learn how to do your job that's going to be in the military. For me, it was bulk fuel. That was, that was my MOS because I decided to go to become a career reservist. Uh, it's here locally in Arizona. So we go to the school, which is in Virginia. So you're gone for about six to eight months initially for for my job and what I decided to do it, it varies between jobs uh, once you're finished with that you check into your unit uh, and then you just kind of fall in with with the battle rhythm they have going on with training uh, continuous training and, and um, the thing about as being a reservist is that you have to maintain a lot of the stuff outside of your drill weekends because you have to show up and execute you can't show up and then it's like okay let me do some push-ups now mm. Let me start learning how to do my job now. No, you have to, you kind of have a responsibility to take care of yourself physically, mentally, emotionally on the other 28 days, you know, and that's what we call it the other 28 days. And, and then you show up and then you're ready to rock and roll. You show up ready. And, and that's the biggest difference between being on an active duty where it's your everyday job versus being a reserve where you show up and you have to do everything on a weekend that somebody does every single day. Um, and you bring a different set of skill sets. Everybody, all the Marines all do something differently. Some are students, some are just hanging out at home, some are working, some have careers, some are in law enforcement, some are flipping burgers. It doesn't matter what you are, but you bring those skill sets and you all have to work together to accomplish the same mission. So it creates its own challenges just inherently because that's just how the environment is and the culture is. So uh, it's it has a lot of its challenges too with that. I stayed with bulk fuel for about the first 12 years of, of my of my career in, in the reserves. The same unit, I, I've seen a lot of attrition with, with Marines just coming and going, leadership coming and going, things just, I mean, it's like a, it's like a roller coaster. It, it gets good because you got great leadership who is engaged, who's out there, and then you get some who are just, you know, everything, just, just do this. Uh, I've seen how things transitioned from becoming 
like, do you want to be trained like Marines or do you want to be trained like the military? You know, Marines, you know, everybody. Uh, and, and they throw the book out like military to how it became like, well, we, now we have to follow the black and white print. And now we have to take 25 classes on drill weekend because of how things are socially. You know, we have to fall in with a lot of those those classes. So the morale, keeping the morale up in the command climate uh, is very challenging because you got you have to accomplish so much in a small small amount of time and then meet everything that we have to follow socially, you know, with just everything that's going on. Yeah. You know, yeah, everything's visible now. Everything's, um, everything. you can see everything. And it has to be addressed. So so we have to talk about it. We have to have classes about it and everything. And it's a big morale killer, um, big time. So um, retention is is, uh, is very difficult when it, it, as you get there. The I think what was the percentage, uh, the CO for, from the uh, RS Phoenix or, uh, Recruiting Command, he said about 75% of Marines don't go beyond their first enlistment, like four years and done, you know, and, and but, but why, what's the root cause of this? What, why are we having retention issues? You know, and being boots on the ground here, you see it. It's because of the culture that we're creating. We're, we're, we're sitting in a classroom all day. We're not out there training like Marines want. We're very competitive by nature. Sitting in a classroom, we're, we're not as engaged. You can't put a 30-minute PowerPoint on a screen and expect us to be engaged and inspired to transform other Marines and have community impact. It, it's, it just doesn't make sense for us. You know, we, 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 have to, we have to be physically engaged with things. That's just our nature. That's why we join the Marines, because we, we see as ourselves as being the toughest, the strongest, the, the most challenging. You know, and we have to demonstrate that. And a lot of that times that comes through physical activity. You know, and all the other stuff will is going to come by nature with us, like all the impact of everything, the tie-ins mentally, the tie-ins emotionally, the tie-ins spiritually. It all comes through physical uh, challenges. That's where it comes. Um, How well disciplined would you say you were prior to joining with even having your own father who was a Marine? Did you have a strong level where your, where your habits... Uh, in, in place and in line like they have become? Because you use the word career, right? Like, you, you know, yeah, you're not just doing four years. You're doing this over the course of a lifetime. Right, right. And so you're constantly having to stay at the top and the head of your class and, you know, the fittest and the sharpest and, you know, um, the most willing and able to do this for a lifetime. And that's mm -hmm. a greater dedication. Did you have that uh, when you were growing up? <laughs> For the, for the most part, yes. Uh, and again, it, it went a lot. It, a lot of it went unspoken. There wasn't really a lot of tie-ins with my with my with my parents growing in, like the why behind what I'm doing. And in hindsight, I, I understood that the why behind what I was doing then. But there was really no lessons. It was just a lot of like, hey, clean clean your room, keep your. But that meant like, hey, make sure you take care of your environment. You know, like, hey, there's these these uh, lateral limits that you have to follow, rules, you know. And I was very obedient, you know, to render obedience to all, you know. that we have, That's that's like a Marine Corps mentality, to render obedience to all the ranks above you, you know. And, and a lot of that stuff I had to kind of redefine with it because I was very obedient with it. So when it came to that, though, I, I didn't take a lot of risks because of that. And so I struggled with with new challenges or getting uncomfortable with a lot of things. I did very well in what I did because that's how I was driven to do it. So I excelled in anything I got into that I knew that I could be successful with. But going outside of that was 
it was a little bit challenging to me. You stayed in your lane, in your comfort zone. I did. But you mastered that comfort zone. I did, yes, yeah. yes. And I still have that a lot. I still, I still, I still, I still do that, you know, but I'm, I'm starting to get outside of that a lot more. Navigating a teenage daughter uh, who's in high school, freshman year, mm -hmm. what are some of the lessons, you know, that you're teaching her as a man? Um, because the older my daughter gets, the more I seem to be telling her about some of the bad guys out there. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, just, you know, wanting to keep her as protected as possible, but not sounding afraid um, mm -hmm. or fearful, but just teaching her, you know, things like just awareness and, you know, yeah. locking the car doors at the gas station and just little small, tiny seeds. Yes. What are you giving your daughter right now? Same, same thing. Awareness, situational awareness is a big thing. Uh, being aware of your surroundings. Um, it, it started where she wanted to start going to the park a lot with her friends, you know, and, and hey, just pay attention to what's around you. Don't put yourself in a situation that you can't get out of. Um, always stay with your friends, you know, uh, call us, text us, whatever. Uh, she, we even got her a little, a little taser. She has like a little pocket knife that she has. She keeps it in her backpack, um, you know, and she knows how to use them. She's comfortable with them. Um, we take her out, you know, shooting. She's very comfortable handling, you know, a weapon in case she's ever home alone. She knows where they are. She knows how to handle it. Uh, she's not afraid of it. Uh, she doesn't see it as a toy. Um, she's, she's very aware. She's very loud. So we, we've, uh, we've always pushed use your voice. Um, so that's a big thing with, with us in the house. And so we have a very loud house. It's almost like you want to bite your tongue. Like, why do we encourage them to, be, to use their voice? Cause they're using it so much. Cause they use it, they use it to us too, which, which I'm grateful that they have a voice and it, but it, 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 they're very bold and, and how they, they speak to us as well, you know, and it make a lot of it makes sense so it's hard to, it's hard to push back with them at times but with with her and this is funny that you asked because with her she just got feedback from people at school and saying that a lot of people are intimidated by her because of how how loud she is and how um they say crazy but it's because she's she's developed this confidence in who she is she sits comfortably in her own skin and and her energy and her presence demonstrates that. And other people are intimidated by it. Yeah. So there's a lot of girls and guys that kinda like, oh, you know, they 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 stay in their lane when they come to her. They don't get out of line with her because she she has a voice. You know, you can't be inappropriate with her because she has a voice. And it doesn't matter who you are. She's she's had her relationships with her friends has, has, has gone, you know, up and down with a lot. She's lost friends and stuff. And, um, but Allie, her, her superpower is hope. You know, that's, that's how we define her because she's very, um, she's very mindful of how others are. And she looks to, to provide feedback and listen and, and, and be a, a good friend. But it's, it's hard for her friends to understand because her, Allie's emotional intelligence, I think is, is, is a little bit more mature than a lot of her peers. And I think a lot of her frustrations come from that because of that, because of her emotional intelligence, because of how we sit and process through things with her. We talk with her about stuff. We, we sit there and do exercises with her, like, tell me what some red flags are. You know, it, it doesn't matter if it's a boy or a girl. Red flags are red flags. What are some red flags? 
you know, somebody being dishonest, somebody putting a burden on you trying to keep secrets. Like, we don't do that. We don't keep secrets. You, somebody can't ask you to keep a secret. That's that, They're putting a burden on you. You know, so things like that, we... we Just we, crystal clear communication. Absolutely, with everything. Because if, if we don't have those conversations with her, little Johnny Drama's going to have those conversations with her. And if she doesn't know what she doesn't know, then that's going to lead her down a, a path where she's not standing in her own power to make those choices on what she wants to do. You know, so we have to be transparent with her when it comes to everything. Sex, bodies, relationships schoolwork you know we're not big on grades but we're big on effort um and 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 how her relationship is with with uh learning new things um as long as you put 100 percent effort in everything you do even if you don't like it you're there just put the effort out you know that's what's important as long as you can tell me that you tried your hardest and you still got a d or a c or whatever then that's okay you know that's that's fine that's that grades don't define who you are yeah that's a good one oftentimes we associate that, you know. My, yeah, I know. Yeah, and my, you know, my, my kids saw my grade, my one of my report cards from eighth grade. They were like, "Oh my <laughs> god!" I was like, "I know, I know. I told you." So you it's know. okay. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, going back to your service in the military, and and you know, ultimately where where you are right now. I know one of the things we talked about in the precast was misconceptions that people often have, especially about enlisting in mm -hmm. the military and um, as we're talking about you know kids and teenagers uh, I've had a lot more conversations in the past two years not only my son but that age boy you know just got done coaching freshman football about you know joining and not like because it's a last resort right. that's your first choice like you know knowing what I know now uh, I would have I would have loved to have saved a decade of hell, to have learned my discipline uh, a lot sooner and gotten the experience and possibly even the education that is involved with joining the military. But just share with the listeners like that path as you see it and, and you know, um, questions that people might have about the process. Mm -hmm. um, what's the best starting place? Best starting place, talk to somebody. Talk to somebody who, I mean, anybody you know who's in the military because we all have different experiences with it. You're going to have your disgruntled veterans. You know, you're going to have your, your, your lifers like me. You're going to have the guys who are like, yeah, you know, it was, it was, it was all right. It was cool. You know, I, I served. Um, you're going to have those ones who found a career out of it, you know, because they did their homework prior to enlisting. So there's, there's a lot of avenues of approach that you can take when it comes to enlisting in, in the military. Um, but my, my, the best approach that I think you can do is to talk to people, get, get their experiences on it. Because ultimately, it's, it's going to be your choice that you're going to have to live with. So talk to people who are serving active duty. They wake up every day and live that life. Talk to people who are in the reserves, like myself, who you know, still enlist and join and, 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 and do all the things military, but we still have, we have a, also a civilian career, you know, outside of it, you know, so there, there's a lot of different experiences that you can have. And, and, and again, what you put in is what you're going to get out. The way, the, the attitude that you have when you're facing that adversity or those challenges is really going to define your experience with it. So you can either kick rocks or you can, 
you can sit back and, and help transform other people to get past those things and, 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 and tie that thing into other challenges you're going to face in life, you know. So it, it really depends on, on a lot. But conversations with, with people, even talking with recruiters, get their perspective. You know, people think recruiters are just salesmen, you know, like trying to sell you and get a number. But, I mean, talk with them about it too. That's not your only person you can talk to. You know, like ask the recruiters, hey, is there any Marines that you know that I can talk to who are actually in that are not recruiters? They'll be like, yeah, I do. You know, and they'll reach out to all of us, you know, and find their connections and bring them in and be honest with you about stuff. So like me, I'm, I'm going to be completely transparent with you and, and, and share my challenges that I did have and and then the experiences that I'm having now and why I decide to stay in as long as I've had, as long as I have. So speaking of now, you are enjoying life now more than you ever have before there's a lot of things that go into that but just give the the men and the fathers just a little bit about you know this journey of growth for you and really what it continues to be again to say the word multi-dimensional uh sounds somewhat cliche but it means being able to do more than one thing mm -hmm. yeah you know, if we were talking about NBA basketball players, he would be versatile, right? He'd be well-rounded. He'd have game. He can he can hit the jumper. He can do the crossover. He can pass, but he can also dunk. Being able to do things in multiple areas of your life, right? Not just dominating in the physicality, in the military mindset, but not just constantly being emotionally distraught and oftentimes involved in drama with having young girls. I, I know my girl compared to my boy is significantly more dramatic in all ways, but being able to, again, use that word, navigate back and forth to create calm and peace internally takes a lot of work. <laughs> so kind of walk us through that getting to this place because that's not something they're teaching you in in boot camp they're not they're not teaching you to understand what you are experiencing they're telling you to get stop thinking about what you were thinking about and keep moving forward mm -hmm. but you've had to learn this yes along the way yes and that's actually a good point because in the military we when we when we take care when we accomplish a mission we have what we call uh, ars after action reports and we we kind of review and go over the steps that we took to accomplish our mission and the challenges that we face, but we never talk about like how we felt along the way. It was always just about what we're trying to accomplish and then moving forward, learn from that, move forward. You know, we never sat in the emotions of why Marines made that choice to go left instead of going right or going straight instead of standing by, you know, and, and, and I think that's invaluable that those, how they felt and the choices they made behind why they did what they did is extremely important, you know, to slow down and do that. I, I never, I, I never took the time to do that. And I, I think I created a lot of chaos because of that. I made choices that, that my family didn't agree with because of that, you know, and, and, and then the way I decided to kind of deal with it was by drinking a lot, you know, and I masked having to deal with a lot of my emotions because I was getting challenged by my wife, you know, it, it, a lot about, about, you know, why I did the things I did. And I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to deal with the emotional part of it because I, I never had to. You know, people were always very submissive up to that point in my life until I met Stella, who was very strong in her and who she was. And, and, and 
I was drawn to it. Deep root, deeply rooted, I was drawn to her. I still had that connection with her, but on the surface, I was creating so much chaos because I didn't want to face I didn't want to face what was already embedded in me, that power within me. I didn't want to bring that out because I didn't want to get emotional with it, even though I was very emotional, but anger was the emotion that I demonstrated the most. Did you uh, did you grow up on the reservation? No, I did not. I, I grew up in the city. And the reason I asked, just because of childhood drinking, you know, I, mm -hmm. I drank, started at 14. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, my, my parents, I remember my dad drinking a lot, not my mom, but drugs was the big thing, you know. Um, sister decided to go that, 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 take that course of action. I decided not to. Sports was kind of my outlet. Gangs was hers. It's same parents, but different, different directions. It wasn't until my adult, like 1920, when I started working around the casino, seeing it a lot more is where I decided to start drinking and going out more. I lived on the res when I was 19. I moved out there. So the moment I became an adult, you know, is, is when I lived out in the res from 19 to 26. And then I moved back to the city and it was a culture shock for me, you know, and then not too long after I ended up deploying for a year and then coming home. So I really didn't like kind of just... Did you drinking get greater uh, in those two-step processes from, oh yeah 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 oh yeah I, I drank a lot i gambled a lot while i was out in the res and then when i moved back to the city i, I drank probably every single day you know i was single i would just i was just out and about i, I drank a lot you know and it just continued the deployment i thought would help but then they had a cantina on the base because the base was nice because the air force was there you know it just is what it is um so every night when we weren't on mission we we partake and coming back you know the, those habits continued you know i worked at a bar in scottsdale i worked at a gym so it was easy to just lift weights and lift you know and drink beer or whatever all night it just continued that lifestyle thereafter and that bled in and so why not now why not now is is when in the first probably four or five years of my relationship i still struggled with alcoholism and i think it was to the point where stella was like, enough is enough. You're going to lose your family. I don't feel safe around you. And that floored me. If you can sit there and, and slow down to think enough, like, does your family feel safe? Does your family feel secure? And I'm not talking, like, just physically. Like, not physically safe because you can probably put up a pretty, put your chest out and, and they can feel safe around you physically. But I, what she meant by that was, like, she doesn't feel emotionally safe around you. She doesn't feel spiritually safe around you. I mean, she, she has to walk on eggshells around you because she doesn't want you to lose your shit because she's trying to have a deep conversation with you. I think at that point, I, I, I started to search for my, my why. Like, what, the, like what, what is my purpose? I had no values. I, I was making decisions just based on the situation and, and going from there. And, and that's not the way to live, especially when you decide to have a family. So that's a great question that you answered poetically, and I hope everybody listening, you know, if you're struggling with substance abuse, if you are, are sedating, we can use that word in, in general, generalities from um, buying things on credit cards to pornography to alcohol to uh, drugs to working, uh, there's addictive personalities and all those things. <clears throat> When we say, you know, eliminating a substance, it means that it's toxic. And so it could be food for some people. It could be dessert. It could be the extra 40 or 50 pounds that you're carrying. But 
That is a great question that we can all kind of universally ask is why not now, mm -hmm. right? It's so much greater than I, I have to, you know, get sober, right? I have to be sober for the rest of my life. You, you, you know, we can't say that because it's different for everybody. I got friends who went from uh, 100 to 99 and they're, they're fine. I had to go 100 to zero because one was too many. And so why... Why not now, right? Yeah. It's just, it's compelling to think that this is the time, if you're listening to this, that you got to start with a day. Make a choice, make a decision. And when it gets hard, just understand that, you know, you may not lose everything like Rich or myself, but there's a lot of things you may be missing out on if you're continuing to, to, to drink um, or use something that completely takes you out of being present. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that to me, <clears throat> abusive drugs and alcohol, food, sex, pornography, it's the ultimate in unconsciousness. And so the greatest thing we can do is be present and be conscious. And so the moment we do those things and it takes us somewhere else, we're completely signing up to be unconscious. And when you do that repetitively, um, you can never be present. And that's what people talk about where they're, they're blank or they're numb or they're, you know, like my wife tells a story and I've said it on here a couple of times, you know, they'd go eat breakfast and feed the parrots in Maui when we'd go spend a couple of weeks there in the summer until dad woke up. This was, my son was like three and my daughter's one. What? Yeah. You would sleep. You were hung over. Mm. Get the fuck out of here not just sleeping in, but being hung over. Well, my kids were really young, so they'll never see that, right? About being unsafe, man, like I, I can see and feel how it, it hurts and affects you, but that's what we need. Mm -hmm. We gotta look at that pit. There's a wedding video that if I watch it, I'll start crying because of the guy who's marrying my, my wife. It's me but it doesn't look like me. It doesn't feel like me. And the shit he says, I would never say, at least not now. Yeah. And so that hurts to have to go back to that. This is, this has taken some time in your life, right? Oh yeah. yeah. So what would you say to, to that younger version of you? Uh, what would you say to that 25 year old who's about to have a, their first child, 26, 27, 28 years old. And you know, maybe they're, they're drinking or they're just not in tune or they haven't spent any time going into themselves, working on themselves. What would you say from your own path? I think that just to sit there and who are you surrounding yourself with? Like step, take a step back and look at who, who you keep choosing to surround yourself with. I think you're, the audience around you can really put things into perspective on the habits that you're creating and and if if i had my eyes a little bit more open at that point in my life I, I and chose to take the opportunity to hang out with others and surround myself with others i think that really would have changed who i was at that time your circle of influence was weak yeah well absolutely that's a great way of putting it yes yeah so who you surround yourself with doesn't just matter when you're growing up, but it always matters. Always. It always matters. 
It always does. Always does. If you if you can't if you continue to dishonor yourself when, by who you surround yourself with, then that that's a red flag right there, and you need to you need to run the other way. Uh, there's no other way of putting it. You need to get the fuck out of the situ- that situation. Otherwise, you're gonna start thinking and acting just like that. Clear. Uh, your your wife is in the space of personal professional development, um, coaching, consulting. She works with with women and moms. Uh, this is what we call shameless self-promotion, but this is your, your time to just kind of share a little bit more uh, about your, your wife and um, how people can get a hold of her and, and if anyone has any questions for you as well. Yeah, no, Stella Brill. I mean, that woman, that woman is, uh, has leaps and bounds on, on her self-discovery, on her growth. I mean, I, I've, I get to see behind the scenes on a lot of things, and I've, and I've shared that on social media you know, just little snippets of it about the tears, the the frustrations, the anger, the like fuck this moments, the the moments the from all the work that she's putting in behind the scenes, from what you see on social media. And and she gets she's starting to get more transparent with, with her emotions and, and the struggles that she faces. But um being able to take a stance with her nonprofit on exposing the the fashion industry, you know, ethically made you know, clothing and, and, uh, ethically sourced, you know, um, just anything in the fashion industry. And what's that site? Uh, you can, well, you can actually get the information on her website, stellabrill.com, you know, and Stella Brill on Instagram. You can just S-T-E-L-L-A. No, Stella, S-T-E-S, S-T-E-L-L-A, you know, A-B-R-I-L. Um, you, you Google that, you'll, you'll find information there. And she's got blogs on there, Life and Lemons blog, where she uh, talks about her life, her struggles, everything that she's faced. And then uh, you can learn more about uh, the sustainability of, in fashion, you know, ethically sourced items, stuff, just resources, all kinds of stuff. It's been a while since we asked this question, but I think it's very fitting with you having uh, your queen and, and three princesses. If if you could vision yourself 50 years from now and you've taken your last breath and your girls, your, your, your children, your grandchildren, all these people are there uh, celebrating your life, what, what would you want them to really know about you? What do you want this, this legacy to be and how are you working on that now? Uh, to, to be honest with my girls... Um that they don't have to discover who I was before them after I die, after I move on. They know who her dad, they knew who, who their dad was, the struggles that he faced, the choices that he made that probably not a lot of people agree with, how uncomfortable he made people around him. But then they, they, they know that, that I've decided to make those changes, to learn, to grow, to, to teach them and educate them on from my experiences how I struggled with alcoholism, how I was in jail because of that, how just a lot of the different things. They know all this stuff about me, and we talk about this stuff, you know, how, and so I want them to know that, hey, their dad was authentic. He was true to, he was honest with us about a lot of the things. He wasn't this perfect hero that wore a cape and in a shiny white armor. No, this guy battled. This guy struggled. He was always there. We felt safe. We felt, we felt secure with my father. 
and that's what I that's what I want them to all remember. My brother, I truly appreciate you for for coming on the Fathers of the Future podcast today on Veterans Day. Appreciate you for your service and your continued commitment to do your part in uh, America's greatest military and armed forces and the greatest branch, the Marine Corps. Yeah. <laughs> we appreciate you, brother. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you having me, Luke. Thank you. If you got something out of this podcast, all we ask in return is that you simply pay it forward. You share it with somebody, send it out, text, email, or on your social media. And if you really liked it, give us a five-star review on Apple. Thank you for being here, my brother Rich, and happy Veterans Day to all of our veterans around the world.